This is Alive with Joseph. We're looking at a series I titled Redemption. Let's begin from the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 to 14. It says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evidence. For the just shall live by faith, yet the law is not of faith. But the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 to 14, the New King James Version. Now, we need to begin to understand that the price that Jesus Christ paid over 2,000 years ago took care of every sin that you have ever committed and that you will ever commit, and that it also took care of every sin the world will commit. What Jesus paid for with his death was not just for sin as an act. He paid also for the sin nature. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 53 verse 10 that Jesus offered his soul as an offering for sin. So the issue of sin has been taken care of by Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. Jesus took care, took on himself the sin nature and the iniquity of us all. Jesus took our trespasses and our transgressions. He took everything that Adam did in the fallen man and he paid the price for them over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus paid the price, God received the offering of Jesus' death. When he received the offering of Jesus' death, the anger of God was appeased. The wrath of God was taken care of by that singular sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus is so good that he doesn't have to offer the sacrifice every year again. Jesus went in to offer the sacrifice once and for all, and he took care of everything all at once. This, I have just said now, is what gives you, the believer, an advantage over sin, over Satan, over all the unfruitful works of darkness. All of these that Jesus did has given you an advantage as a believer. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 12, the scripture says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Take note of that, of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Take note of all of these words, underline them, because I'll be handling them one after another. He obtained for you and I eternal redemption. Jesus entered once and for all and obtained for us, obtained for you, eternal redemption. He entered once to enforce your redemption. 
The death of Jesus Christ obtained your redemption, not your works of the law. What obtained your redemption is not your works of the law. The death of Jesus obtained your redemption. Your morals did not obtain your redemption. Your moral labor did not obtain your redemption. What Jesus did over 2,000 years ago was what obtained your redemption. The same scripture, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 to 14. Let's read the Passion Translation. It says, under the old covenant, the blood of bulls, goats, and ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. Yet, how much more with the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our conscience for by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve God. Amen. He said he has freed us from our dead works to worship and serve God. Jesus died, offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to God. And one of the missions of Jesus' death on the cross is to free you from dead works. That's one of the key missions of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The New King James Version puts verse 14 this way. It said, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Why is he cleansing your conscience? Why is it that what Jesus did has to cleanse your conscience? It is simple. It is because after you are born again, one of the areas Satan takes advantage of the believer is in your conscience. When you get born again after your new birth, one of the areas Satan will take advantage of you is in your conscience because Satan gives you the consciousness of sin in your conscience. And what consciousness of sin does is to take away your boldness, thereby disqualifying you from operating the life of faith. So the consciousness of sin brings condemnation. It brings guilt. It brings inferiority complex. It brings a sense of unworthiness. So when your conscience is polluted with a sense of unworthiness, with a sense of guilt and inferiority complex, you will lack the boldness to approach God. You will also lack the boldness to command the devil to leave. And you will also lack the boldness to be able to take full delivery of what Jesus Christ has paid for you on the cross of Calvary. So when your conscience is polluted, when that polluted conscience is at work, you will lack the boldness to exercise your authority as the redeemed of the Lord. Many believers are lacking the boldness to exercise their authority as the redeemed of the Lord simply because of a polluted conscience. Listen, friends, Satan knows that a person who is living in sin consciousness, a person who lives in guilt, a person who lives in condemnation, inferiority complex, a person who lives in with a sense of unworthiness will always be destabilized. He knows that. With that person will always be destabilized. That person will be incapacitated and such a person cannot be able to operate in the victory of redemption. 
So Satan knows that. He knows he can't stop your victory. He knows he can't undo what Jesus has done on your behalf. But he can bring you to a place where you have a consciousness of dead works. And as a result, you are not able to operate in the victory of redemption. Listen, friends. Condemnation is the challenge of many believers. Many believers out there are living in condemnation. And that is what the law of Moses has succeeded in achieving in the life of the believer. So the purpose of the law of Moses is to impute in you guilt and condemnation. The law tells you how you are not qualified. The law tells you how you cannot overcome. The law tells you how God is angry with you. The law tells you how your weakness has removed God's favor and mercy from you. The law tells you how you are not able to take full delivery of what Jesus has done. Listen, friends, the law of Moses does everything to revive sin in you. But the grace of God, the Bible said that the law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. The grace of God that has come through Jesus tells you it is not by your works of righteousness. It is not by, it is by the work of grace through, it is by the work of grace that you have been purged, that your conscience has been purged from dead works. And those dead works are the works of the Lord that your conscience has been purged from. According to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Listen, no human being is justified by the works of the law. No human being is justified by the works of the law. The works of the law is designed to make sure that you are consistently and constantly disqualified from justification. And your justification is not by the works of the flesh. It is by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The book of Romans chapter 5. Go with me quickly. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 2. Let's read. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That is what the grace of God does. It justifies you by faith and it brings you to the place of peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Listen, friends, if you are justified by faith, then you must live by faith. You can't be justified by faith and you want to live by the works of the flesh. If you are justified by faith, you must live by faith. Because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And if you live by faith, you win by faith. Why? The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, your faith is the victory that has overcome the world. That is why you must live by faith because you have been justified by faith. When you live by faith, then you are able to walk in victory because your victory is a done deal. Your victory is a finished work. It's something that Jesus has already completed. Hallelujah. Give Jesus your highest praise this morning. Glory to God. Now, so all of this 
is established in your redemption that has brought about your justification. Listen, friends, until the revelation of redemption comes alive in you as a believer, Satan will constantly undermine your authority and will undermine your boldness. I've come to discover that the difference between our generation and the generation of our founding fathers, the founding fathers of our faith, was based on what they knew. They knew redemption. They knew the grace of God. They knew righteousness. These men and women functioned in a dimension that humiliated Satan and the works of Satan. When you look at people like women like Amy McPherson, the founder of Four Square Church. When you look at women like, you know, Catherine Kuhlman. When you look at men like John G. Lake. When John G. Lake lived in this part of the world, there was a time there was a pandemic like this. He lived in that time and he told the scientists that when they take the virus and put on his hands, the virus dies. That was the level this man functioned in. Now, not because their Bible was different from our, is different from our own, that it is simply because of what they knew. When you look at men like Archbishop Benson in the house, when you look at men like E.W. Kenyon, actually many more of them, you will discover that these men, you know, they function in a dimension that was not ordinary. I was reading one of the books of E.W. Kenyon. He said, he said, let me quote him, he said, until a man knows that he is the righteousness of God, he will never take advantage of his privilege. He will always live in bondage to the enemy, E.W. Kenyon. Can you imagine that? He said, until a man knows that he is the righteousness of God, he will never take advantage of his privileges. Friends, you can't take advantage of your privileges if you do not know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you do not know that your justification was by faith, and is by faith not by the works of the flesh he said such a man will not take advantage of their privileges and he will always live in bondage to the enemy i've come to discover many christians are living in bondage not because satan is powerful they are living in bondage because of ignorance when you do not know what jesus has done for you when you do not know what christ has accomplished on your behalf when you do not know that you are justified by faith when you do not know that you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus you will live in the bondage of satan but when you come face to face with the revelation of who you are in christ when you come face to face with the revelation that you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus you walk away from every bondage the devil throws at you so you and i must come to understand this listen friends you must come to understand the legal and the vital aspects of redemption because when you do not understand the legal and the vital aspect of redemption you will not be able to take advantage of the privileges of redemption what do i mean by the legal aspect of redemption what i mean is what jesus has done for you the substitutionary work of christ on the cross that is the legal part of redemption. That is to say, friends, Jesus died legally. Jesus died legally. He did not die by chance. His death was a legal work 
God had to make sure that the death of Christ was within a spiritual and physical legal framework so that the devil who is the accuser of the brethren will not arise to accuse. So friends, you need to understand the substitutionary work of Christ on the cross. That is to say, when Jesus went to the cross, he took your place. So that you can in return take his place. He substituted with you. He died your death so that you can live his life. Jesus Christ took your pain so that you can take liberty. What is a vital aspect of redemption? It simply means your part in taking full advantage of what Jesus has done for you. Listen friends. God gives you the offer of his grace and you in response, you are to take full delivery by faith of what God has offered to you. When your faith takes what God has offered, it brings you into a new realms of life. It brings you into a new realms of living. It makes your living and your thinking solid. It makes you unbeatable in the issues of life. When you take hold of what God has given to you. When you study the history of Christianity, you will discover that major revivals that broke out, we're talking about the revivals like the Azusa Street revivals, major revivals that broke out happened based on the revelation of redemption. When men and women came to understand the revelation of redemption, revival broke out. Listen, friends, your Christianity will be fed away until you come by the substance of redemption, until you come by righteousness that comes through faith. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice to cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. The reason you have to cleanse your conscience is because your conscience is full of dead works. Your conscience is full of dead works. And what are the dead works that the Bible talks about them in Hebrews chapter 9? They are the works of the law of Moses. Examples of those dead works are some of the dead works you see in certain places. They tell you, you must pray in a particular time of the night or else God will not answer you. Who gave such stories? And very often, they use scriptures like that Paul, that Peter, and James went to the temple in the hour of prayer. Let me explain that to you. They went to the temple in the hour of prayer, which simply means they went to the temple in the time of service. In the hour of service. It's like you coming to a live church service by half past 8 a.m. or by 10.30 a.m. or by midweek service by 6, by half past 5 p.m. So they went to the temple when it was service time. That does not mean that you must pray by 3 p.m. or 6 p.m. or 9 a.m. No, 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 no. Listen, friends, you do not schedule a time to meet with your father. God is your heavenly father. When you talk to your father, you talk to him anytime. The veil has been torn. Akapayana. So that you can approach your father anywhere, anytime you want to approach him give jesus praise those are dead works maybe you have been listening to me 
they, you've been functioning by dead works that you must pray in a particular time or else God will not answer you. Get out of that. That is not God. You can approach God, your heavenly father, anytime you want to. There are also dead works. You have been taught that if you wear trousers, you can't get to heaven. Particularly for women. You've been taught that if you wear a makeup as a woman, you cannot make heaven. All of these are dead works of the law that has nothing to do with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are dead works. Many people have their conscience filled with these dead works. And that makes them think that God loves them less. Follow me quickly. Let's read that scripture again. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Let's read it again. He said, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offer himself without spots to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The conscience of man before regeneration has been programmed to think in a particular way. Now that you are born again, you need to reprogram your conscience to think in line with the finished work of Jesus on the cross. The good news translation of the same scripture, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14, I read it says, Since this is true, how much more is accomplished by the blood of Christ? Through the eternal spirit, he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to God. His blood will purify our conscience from useless rituals. Did you see that? His blood purifies our conscience from useless, the, uh, the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrew calls the useless rituals so that we may serve the living God. One of the dilemmas for many believers is useless rituals that has nothing to do with what Jesus died for. It is said here that Jesus was a perfect sacrifice. That is why friends, listen to me very carefully. You cannot improve on what Jesus has done. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot improve on what Jesus has done. You cannot improve. That is why we do not offer animal sacrifices anymore. Why? The sacrifice of Jesus. Listen, Jesus was the sacrifice himself. That sacrifice, the scripture says, it's perfect. The sacrifice of Jesus was complete for time and for eternity. He himself was a perfect sacrifice. There is nothing you can do. I repeat again, listen to this. There is nothing you can do to improve on the love of God for you. Neither can you do anything to reduce the love of God for you. There is nothing you can do to improve his love. Also, there is nothing you can do to reduce the love of God for you. Because, friends, in the sight of God, because of Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, when God looks at you, you are perfect. Why? God looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ. There is no spot in you. There is no blemish in you when God looks at you. Why? Because God looks at you through the perfect sacrifice called Jesus Christ. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see your shortcomings. He sees Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. That is why, friends, when you come to pray in the name of Jesus Christ, when God looks, he sees perfection. As a result, he can't reject your prayers because 
when he looked, he saw Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. So when you are praying and you are dancing around with guilt and condemnation, like milly meal in a hot water, God is wondering, what is wrong with this, my perfect child? Why is my perfect child behaving like this? Because as God looks, he sees Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Glory to God. Don't forget, friends, you didn't die for yourself. So the sacrifice God accepted was not from you. It was from Jesus. And that sacrifice was perfect. That sacrifice was without spot, without blemish. You are a beneficiary of what Jesus has done. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. But listen to this. When Satan talks to you, he talks to you as you. Because he knows that is the only way he can bring you into condemnation. God never sees man as man. When God looks at man, with the eye, he looks at man with the eyes of mercy. He looks at man with the eyes of redemption. That is why, even when you study the scriptures very well, when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon in the book of Judges, in the, they didn't address Gideon in his present state. Rather, the angel addressed Gideon by faith in the view of what God sees in Gideon. He said, thou mighty man of valor. That was what the angel called Gideon. Even when Gideon disqualified himself, God didn't pay attention to that. He kept referring to what God sees concerning Gideon. So friends, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If God cannot reject his son Jesus Christ, he cannot reject you. If God cannot say no to Jesus Christ, he cannot say no to you. Why? By redemption, you have been grafted into Christ. And that is what is called identification with Christ. When Jesus died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When Jesus disarmed Satan, you were with him disarming Satan. Friends, the devil has no legal right to question your authority. When he comes to question your authority, remind him that he has been disarmed, disarmed over 2,000 years ago. Remind him how you and your elder brother Jesus Christ made a public spectacle of him. Tell him the same thing you did to him over 2,000 years ago. You will reinforce it again and you tell him to get out. Because, listen friends, the devil plays around on the ignorance of many believers. And the reason many believers can't speak to Satan or address issues the way they ought to is because they are yet to understand identification with Christ. Listen friends, you identify with Christ. You died with him buried with him you rose with him even now he has you he has been raised up and you have been raised up with him to be seated together with him in heaven far above principalities and powers hallelujah not nearly above far above <laughs> that's where you're seated not barely above, far above, far above principality, far above powers, far above poverty, far above shame, far above sickness and disease, far above untimely death and ridicule, far above the battles of life. Come on, let me hear you shout boldly, I am far above. That is where you are right now. Hallelujah. As I release you tonight, this morning rather to go, as I release you this morning to go, 
Let's close with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Ephesians 2, verse 6. It says, And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He has raised you up together with him. You triumphed over Satan and his cohorts together with Christ over 2,000 years ago. And friends, with this in mind, you need to begin to take hold of everything that Jesus has accomplished for you on your behalf on the cross of Calvary. It's a new season, friends. Expect things to happen for you that has never happened before in the positive. Expect victory. Every time you step out, expect victory. Why? You are fighting from victory. You are not fighting for victory. Change your mindset. The victory that you are enforcing has already been accomplished. It is not a victory you are looking for. This is the victory. Even your faith. So friends, you are in victory already. Every time you wake up, every time you arise, have in mind that victory is your testimony on a daily basis. And as you walk around like that, the hand of the Lord will position you for all that God has ordained for you in this season. And I declare, as you identify with Jesus in this season, I command right now, let your victory begin to manifest in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me hear your amen like a believer. Give Jesus praise this morning. Come on, go ahead and celebrate him. Celebrate him this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Ngogocha. Till next time, God bless.